Welcome to the podcast series, How She Leads. We are the hosts, Yu Bo Zhang and Julia Gooding. In each episode, we bring you interviews and inspirational stories from diverse female leaders to inspire girls and women across all backgrounds and cultures to lead with confidence. Good morning, Lorena. Thank you so much for your time being with us today. Um, shall we start by um, introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit more about... Um... First of all, yes, I am Lorena Racanelli. Uh, also, I mostly go by Cervantes. That's my uh, original name. And I am from Costa Rica in Central America. I have been in this country for probably about um, 30 years now. I came to this country seeking for my master's in dance. When I came to this country, I did not know how to speak English. And uh, I was able to get a scholarship at George Washington University. And they put me to study English from eight o'clock in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon while I was obtaining my master's. Back in Costa Rica, I was a professor at the university and the director of the National Dance Company. So when I first came, of course, I was in the peak of my, my career. And I say, of course, because I was in my 20s. And that also kind of shapes your career of what we are going to be talking. In that moment, you are breathing movement, you are living movement, you are performing all the time. So kind of like your path is a, a little different. However, in the back of my mind, when I was learning how to speak English, I began to make the connection of the importance of using my movement to acquire a new language. And so that connection began to kind of settle in and I began working for a program in Virginia that is called Wolf Trap Early Learning Through the Arts. They have an educational program in which they hire artists like myself to come to the classrooms and introduce the arts into their curriculums. So I began to work with preschool and using movement to teach them about numbers and, and um, letters and socialization and so many things. In most of the schools that I went, there were um, schools that probably 80% of them also had English as a second language. So more connections there. I began the importance of using my art in a different way, right? Not only to be performing on the stage, but now I feel like I'm, I'm doing more. And I feel that in that moment, my journey is really shaping to something very special. I continue um, that journey and I was hired to work at the Kennedy Center. And again, at the Kennedy Center, they also have a program and the program it's called Changing Education Through the Arts. And in that program, I began 
to not only work with kids, but then now working with teachers and being able to share that strategies with teachers. And those strategies are the use of movement, how movement have, can become so important in the classroom, you know, for those students to have that awareness for those students to know that they can have so many modalities of learning. Um, and one of them will be kinesthetic. So I began my program with dance integration. Um, my school is very special, very beautiful school. Again, most of them have, uh, I would say 80% of the students have English as a second language. We also are a Title I school. So a lot of students need um, a lot of support. And I am very grateful to be here and to be able to do that for them. That's where we are so far. Thank you, Lorena. Wow, your English is amazing. Looks like that 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. intensive learning worked for you. <laughs> I can't hard to believe like you are only here for three years. Um, I've already have a lot of questions for you. Um, um, one thing is, did you experience any cultural shock? That's the first thing, right? When you come to, and it does sound like it's perfect fit for you, not only the special, uh, the Spanish language um, and the uh, connection you made between arts and science, which is very interesting how you actually um, using arts as a way to connect with other subject area. I would like to hear a little bit more about that. And maybe you can give us the specific example. For example, how did you actually, what kind of movement you could use um, and help you acquiring the English language or acquiring some other uh, lear learning in other subject area. Could you, I know it's a lot, uh, wondering if we can, uh, we can do one by one. Um, so cultural shock, first thing. And second, the connection between, can you give some specific examples? Okay. Um, honestly, I, Really, at the beginning, I was not in cultural shock because I was really excited to be in this country. And um, coming from Costa Rica, which is a wonderful country and had given me so many opportunities, actually was the only country, it still is in Central America, that gives a bachelor's in, um, in, in dance. And so I, when I began my career at the university, I was so focused on learning English and, you know, and doing so many things. I had to dance all day and at nighttime, I had to sit down with the books and dictionaries, you know, to learn English. And I had to do everything else like, like my classmates, like my, like the Americans, they were, re we were reading books in our history and dance history. And I had to do the same. So I don't, didn't have time <laughs> for cultural shock. I had to like move on and, and just do things and sort of like my personality. I think that many years later, as I get older, 
I think that I am seeking more and more for that identity of who I am and sort of like giving it to others and especially my students in the classroom. But I think that also I have adapted so much to United States that um, you know many parts of me are here and and there's so much that I can do and continue to do that is beautiful. Um, those opportunities will not come to my in my country. Um, and so I think that I'm okay with that. So that's number one. Then you said number two, you want to talk more and hear more about those connections of science and movement or social studies and movement. Uh-huh. I'll give you one, and I'm gonna go into social studies because that's what I'm doing right now. Okay. For example, I'm teaching about Native Americans. And to start teaching about Native Americans, you have to give the students some background knowledge. So we start by looking images of the Native Americans in their environments. That's the first thing. So they're sitting in groups of two or three and they are discussing, what do you notice? What do you see? Um, do you notice something different or not different? So first things like that. And they're looking at their houses, they're looking at the environment, they're looking at the transportation. And then we talk about, you know, where we live and how is that same or different, okay? Then we go into, and each class, last half an hour. So all depends of uh, what my goal is. But today say my goal is first that introduction. And so when they look in our houses, the houses of the Powhatans who were the people who live in the Easter side of United States, the indigenous people, their houses were called Yehakins and their lines are curved lines. So in the warm up, we will be exploring our bodies, how they can make different curved lines and how we might connect to each other. So when it comes to us about what did you notice in those houses? Oh, I see that they have curved lines. Great. Can you show me with your arms how that could be? Great. I see how those lines are connected because the, their houses are kind of like this. Oh, can you connect? Of course, we are in pandemic, so we cannot really touch, but we can be maybe three feet apart and try to connect. So can you connect trying to make that shape? Right. Great. What are the houses are made? They're made of wood, okay? Now that group, another group was working in that environment. What did you see in that environment? Oh, there were trees, there were forests. 
gray is because they live in that forest. That forest is going to be the setting of that place. So this is where the story is going to begin. Dance is like a story. It has a beginning, middle, and end. So we need to build first that environment. How do we build that environment? We need in that, in that picture that you were looking, I see there were trees. What kind of trees do you see? They are tall. They look like they are stretching upwards. Can you show me with your body how your bodies are stretching upwards? So now we start to build that environment, but also we are developing um, that language. We are creating, um, we're helping the ESOL students to describe their environment. I see tall trees reaching upwards and the branches are reaching sideways. They also are next to each other. And in the bottom, they might have bushes. There are pointy and prickly and next to each other as well. Now, those trees also have vines and their vines are reaching up and they are twisted. So there is a lot of language in there. Not only that, there's that environment that we just created where the uh, Native Americans live. So that's sort of uh, oh, what else did you find? What else did you find in there? Well, the houses, right? And, and the other group, what did you see in that, in that picture? Oh, I saw deers. Yes. Why? Because they were hunters. They were hunters. So now we're going to go to that environment to hunt so we can survive. We can, so we not only are surviving, but we also are adapting to that environment. So in that setting, we saw so much, so much. Those bushes have little flowers and those flowers use those flowers for painting their bodies or for medicine. And in those trees, all those vines um, were used to tie knots to make those houses. And the trees were used to make the houses, to build the houses in which they live. So everything is connected and everything has movement. Not only movement, but there is the setting, which is part of the language arts. There is science, which is part of that environment. And there is social studies who are the Native Americans. So that's what I do. <laughs> well, I love the movements you had while you were talking, the twisted branches, rhymes. I can imagine like for being your students in a social studies class, how engaging right? This could be, it also create a mental image, very vivid, and <clears throat> seeing it physically, uh, right, with your movement. I just love it how you actually embed the arts and movements into all different subjects and create a unique experience 
learning experience, instructional experience for for students, especially when thinking these students are ESO students, right? They speak a different language, and it helped them a lot more. As you were talking, I see all your movements, and uh, um, I'm wondering, what was your dream when you were little? Did you ever dream of being a dancer, or and how did you pick it as your major, and did you feel like you deviated away from that? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I actually, I knew since I was six years old that I was going to be a dancer. Um, because I was always dancing and performing for everybody. I used to um, go to my grandmother's house and get on a table and put a sheet on top of this cord and open the curtain and perform for my grandmother. My grandmother just turned 100 years old. And uh, when I went this summer to see her, she will say like, are you going to perform for me? <laughs> so I knew it. Um, and what is really interesting is that I also used to play that I was a teacher. Um, so I'd actually been teaching since I was 15 years old um, because since I went to an art school since I was six years old all the way to high school, um, when I finished, I entered the university and I skipped the first year of the university in dance. And they had a special program for um, the community, which was after school. And so I began teaching in there, um, teaching the students, little kids, probably ages six to eight or nine. Um, and so that's how my teaching career began. And so it was really interested when I began at Wolf Trap in teaching in English and going to schools, most of them are where they Head Start programs. Um, and I could not believe that <laughs> I was doing, you know, what I love to do, which is to move and also be able to teach letters or colors or patterns. And I, I've been really lucky. I really am. I'm very grateful to, I feel like a little choking talking about it because it is very emotional really to not everybody has that, that um, being that lucky in their lives to really do what they love to do and to be able to come to a place where you are happy and that you give so much to the students and they give you back. So I, yeah, it's good to be where I am and it's good to do what I do. That's very well said. And thank you for sharing that emotional moment with us. I can see this is a perfect combination for you, your passion for dance and your passion for education, being able to give to your students. It's, um, I'm wondering, 
in this, um, as you said, not many people are lucky, right? Uh, uh, for some reason, this or that. Did you find the roadblocks for where you want to be and uh, ever something ever stopped you or you ever puzzled, you know, for a lot of young girls, if you're thinking of audience. A lot of time you have to make a decision pretty early on, let's say starting middle school or high school, you need to decide what you focus on, right? Sharing your experience with the audience thinking, um, how do you make those decisions at those moments? Did you feel you've really think about it or it, it's, it sounds like it's not really planned or it just naturally happened? What would you say to them when, when, when it comes to making decisions like that? You will, that's a very difficult question <laughs> to answer. As I got a little bit older, and also as I arrived in this school, I think that was the moment that things began to shift a little bit. Um, but let's go back a little bit before I do that. When I was working at Wolf Trap, I was still performing. So I feel like, okay, I'm training myself to do something else, but I was still thinking as a 100% dancer, okay? When I came here to the school, um, I was working on a part-time and I felt that I was not really making that impact that I wanted to make because to do this, you have to see the students every week. You have to connect with them. You have to make a difference. It is like when you have a mentor, a role model, you gotta be connecting to that person. You gotta be talking, you gotta be looking, you, you know, you're listening, your mind is shaping. There's so many things that are adding to this puzzle and especially these young minds, especially these young minds, and especially these people that come from so many places that they haven't had the opportunities that I have had or that so many people had had. So I began shifting and the year after I asked if I could be a full-time. It was a hard decision. I cannot say it was an easy decision because in that moment, that meant I couldn't perform the way I wanted to be performed. But then I could give something else that I was not doing when I was performing. When you are performing, you're reaching the audience in so many ways. When you are in the school, you're reaching the students every day. You're putting a little seed that continue growing. You're watering that plant and is reaching up and is reaching to you and is connecting with you. So that makes a big difference. So I don't regret it. I am happy I did it and I am performing in different ways. That is great to hear. And um, it sounds like it's kind of partly planned while you're dancing and realize with a little bit 
sustainability thinking. Well, if you get older, what what are my choices? And then it happened to be a chance and opportunity. You try it out and you develop and find this love for actually giving to students and educating them. Well, and you you are very, I have to say, um, innovative actually in terms of this teaching, being able to establish the connection, right? Of using movement, not necessarily dance, right? But using the movement embedded. So it's the stuff I know a lot of time when people in retrospect look back, it's a little bit hard to summarize how I get where I am, right? Um, in, and there are just critical moments when you make decisions. This is a part of thing we're trying to help and, and coach some of the and nowadays young girls. I think in this country, especially given this cultural, there's no lack of choices, I have to say, right? <laughs> then the question is, then why not follow your heart? What is that you have to give up? So helping them to make decisions um, and I mean, not, not make decisions for them, but guide them through, hopefully, you know, there are some lessons um, they could learn from uh, others. I'm wondering in this path, right? It's a lot of big change for you, right? From a different cultural, different country, learning a new language, adapting to a new career sort of. Um, did you have any one influential feel like give you substantial support? Let's say you mentioned some kind of mentors, right? Do you have anyone you feel like being influential and how did you establish and maintain connections with them, basically, how did you set up your network, have people be supportive to what you would like to do? Could you talk a little bit about that? You mean in, in terms of education or in terms of like dance or like everything together? Everything together in any aspect, uh, experience the different life change from one country to the other, experiencing um, new learning a new language um, or choosing, you know, from performing to teaching, anyone being a little bit influential or acted as a mentor or being supported to you, what you find most supportive from others or you feel like you would like to have more support if there could be, what would that look like? You will, I, one of the things that I really like to pass on to my students is the sense of self-worth and being really strong inside. Um, learning another language has been and continue to be hard because you never finish learning <laughs> that language, you know, um, it's a, uh, and so you always have to feel really good about yourself. And that is related to that support. I feel that dance being emerged in that discipline has given me that sense of worth of who I am, that is strength to be able to survive in so many sense, knowing that I'm very strong inside and that, and that can, that 
that I am not alone, that I can do these, that I'm perseverant, that, you know, that that hard work always pays. The beginning of that learning that language, it was hard because I was already an adult. And so many times you feel kind of dumb because you're not able to express what you want to express. But I had my movement and I was able to express it with my movement. And so then again, the support has been my movement. That's how I feel I have been able to survive. Then when I came to those different places, I, I found the artists around me to be very supportive too, to be able to share the knowledge so I can share also my art with other people. And then when I came to the school, I felt that the teachers, those experienced teachers have been a pivotal, or a pivotal point in my life to be able to work with them and pick on their brains and being part of their group and you know continue to learn. That's one of the things that I love, but absolutely love to be in the school because you can go to the meetings, you know, and listen, continue listen to those teachers that have so much knowledge, especially in this school, because there's so much to do. There's so much to do to help these students to continue learn. So I, that's what I find my support. So many of them don't know that they are my support, but they are. <laughs> and, you know, so that and my sense of worth. And again, that's what I try to pass to the students because in life at the end of that rope, if you don't have that core strong, we are in big trouble, right? We need to feel that core strong so we can continue to grow and know who we are. So we can plant our feet strong in the earth, right? And continue to learn and grow. Oh, I just love that. It's all connected, right? Work, work on your core. I mean, physically, but yes. it's also mentally yes. where you become strong in the, um, and, and, and I'm wondering, starting with your students are being so lucky to, to have you as their teacher where teach them the self-worth and then the exploration, right? Starting a very early age. I'm wondering, starting when and in what kind of environment you start to form this kind of thinking that the self-worth, the importance, that is the core strength that going to pull you up and keep pushing you forward. Could you talk a little bit about that? Did you feel like, are there pivotal moments make you realize that? Or how did you get that um, idea? Well, I think that the idea personally for me came when, when I left my country and I did not know, I only knew one person in Washington, D.C. She was the professor of the university. 
many years ago, 15 dancers from Costa Rica got a scholarship to come to Washington, D.C. and study at the university and then go to New York and learn about the companies and, and dancers and so forth. And so this professor at the university, her name is Maida Withers, said to me, if you ever want to come to the United States and dance for my company, just do it. So back in Costa Rica, I was only about maybe 20 years old and I had under my wing uh, 20 dancers and it was really hard because we didn't have money and we were struggling and I was teaching many classes and I felt a lot of pressure. I felt entrapped and I felt that even though I was feeling a strong, I just, I felt hopeless. I didn't feel that I was helping enough. I was not communicating. So I decided to leave that and came here and called my professor from the airport. And I said, me here, me need help. That was my English. And she's like, you loca means you crazy. And I, so she picked me up and that's, you know, when everything, I said, wow, I must be very strong because how you do that, how you live everything, you have a career, you have a job, you have a place in the university. You know, I could have retired already in my university, but, you know, I'm looking for other things to fulfill my life, to become better, a better person, a better dancer, a better teacher, you know, um, and so I, I discovered that on myself. Wow, you are so strong. So that continues on my life, you know, as I said before, with the language and the learning and so forth. So when I am in the classroom with my kids, I ask them, why are you here in this class? What are you getting from this class? And I started that in kindergarten. You know, of course, I frame it differently in each class because developmentally, if I ask that kindergarten, they're not gonna, they're not gonna know. But I will say, how do you feel in this class? Oh, I feel great. Why do you feel great? And we continue that. But on second grade, it's like, how do you learn by looking? How do you learn? by listening, how do you learn? By moving, good, we do all those things, we come back to, now how do you feel? Great, what did you learn about today? Yes, what is the importance of this class? Yes, great, do you feel good about what you just did? Yes, great, we take this into all day, why do we learn and how do we feel? Do we feel great? Yes, you feel great because you did something great for yourself. You are strong, you can do it. And so that, that connection of mental, emotion, and body doing, that's what we want them to do. And this is not so far of what, you know, FCPS is doing, they have all the connections with the portrait of graduate, right? Which is collaboration, which is, you know, global citizen, who you are, you know, so all those things are connecting. 
I don't think that nothing is in isolation. We all need as educators and people, we need to connect. Very well said. I, when you mentioned that language, because when you first arrived, that felt like it can be a movie uh, to what happened, right? That, and your English is amazing right now, so fluent and uh, expressive. You're right. I think there's some uniqueness. With, uh, not everyone can beautifully do the movement as you're doing. It also looks very comfortable uh, in the very naturally embed into the subject you were talking about. But I could easily see where you could train some um, dance teachers if somehow they are thinking of going to a different path, right? Dancers are thinking of going towards education. Yours is a great, you know, training to provide to those, but it's a matter of you prefer working more closely with students or you would like to work with teachers to provide this kind of training. Then you have so many teachers going to reach so many other students rather than just your one uh, classroom. Um, that will be more influential as a learning community. Did you feel you get a chance to do that or do you, would you like to? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, again, we are part of the CIDA program as a school, which is changing education through the arts. And in the school, you know, of course, that I'm part of that group. And so many times, you know, we work together and pass the, the strategies one to another one. But then again, it's because of that fluctuation of teachers, of moving to different places and because also the needs of, of, of so many students. Uh, uh, I think my, my closest way of helping is with the teachers that the ESO teachers because my work is so embedded into that language um, uh, acquisition. I see it. I mean, I see it myself. I feel it myself, you know, when I use that movement to, to learn um, language. So I, um, there are those possibilities. And also, I, you know, uh, the possibility are also going back to working with those young dancers, which now I make connections with the university in Costa Rica. I want them to understand the importance of still being a dancer, but also, you know, do this work to be able to use your art in different ways. And don't wait until you retire or until you cannot dance anymore to do this, this kind of work that I'm doing. And also I want to say that it's very important for me to say that I'm actually, I'm not innovator. You know, I might be new into FCPS and doing this work into FCPS, but there are many people doing this kind of work around United States, you know. There are many dance educators in the schools, you know, in New York and other states, you know, 
doing what I do. And so I'm also very lucky, you know, to have connected to other beautiful dancers at the Kennedy Center um, who had had the experience, you know, and we help each other and collaborate and keep learning from each other. I think that I could say that my specialist is to, to use the movement to teach language, you know, to understand because I am a person who has, uh, has two languages. And so I really understand how to do that, you know, and because I have so much compassion in what I do, you know, I, I have the patience to do it for others and to share it with others. Totally agree that we all learn from each other, but you expand it and kind of tailor it to a special need, where it, which is great. And a lot of time it takes some courage to be able to take that step, right? And that's a very, very important characteristic needed um, to, 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 to move it forward, to take one more step forward, right? Um, the, we have about eight minutes left. I want to come back to a little bit that is gender, right, nowadays. Um, in the dance field, you know, do you feel there, there are also kind of the gender bias or do you feel um, there are some the stumble, stumbling blocks for girls or women nowadays in general or just in your in the dance field do you feel you're you're, you're you know being a girl or woman i mean if dance is a little bit different i don't know but i never really touch upon this topic with uh, a dancer i'm wondering if you have any thought about that i'm wondering if in this case a lot of the younger boys if it's you know might be interesting interesting you ask that because at first I think that many parents are like so worried, you know, that the kids are into this dance program, you know, and it is actually children, girls and boys should be exposed to movement from an early age. Since they are born, uh, they have to do that because it's part of the brain development. Music and movement should go hand to hand with math and science. Um, so hooray for FCPS that was able to, <laughs> to hire me uh, for this school. But anyway, uh, no, there's no problems whatsoever um, in teaching movement to these kids. All the boys love to come to my class. Everybody feels very comfortable. I have never had any problem. I have been in the system for 12 years. I'm going to my 13th year and I have never had that problem. I have to remind you that unfortunately, and I said, unfortunately, my school, we used to be K to five and the school got so big that had divided now to K to second grade. I have about 1800 students. 
<laughs> and so I have about 10 kindergarten classrooms, 11 first grade classrooms and 12 second grade classrooms, something like that. And, and so it's unfortunate for me that I don't teach right now all the way to fifth grade. So in the beginning, a couple of years ago, when I had my third, fourth and fifth grade, I could say that maybe the first um, year of fifth grade, um, the boys was kind of testing a little bit first, uh, but then they got so into it, the movement, and it was very helpful for them to learn in a kinesthetic way. I have to remember that at that age, you know, we are so kinesthetic. We like to move. We have lots of energy. So it was a really great way of getting all our feelings out. Uh, we also had to remember that I had those kids from kindergarten all the way to fifth grade. So that also made a big difference. Um, it was beautiful to see how they were moving. In that moment also, I had created a company, a dance, dance company after school. And I created this dance that it was beautiful. I had two boys in fourth and fifth grade. They, um, they left school and they continued to dance. One of them, he was in a dance company. Their mom is still talking to me and sent videos of him dancing. Um, so it was beautiful. Um, they had a little bit of trouble with some friends bothering them because they were in the dance company. But then the core, remember the core? made them so strong that they were able to hold themselves up and you know talk to others. Um, they were also in the basketball team, so they were more agile, you know, because they were dancers themselves. And so I also made those connections that dancers are like athletes. They're actually are athletes, you know, they have to have those skills to be able to um, move in the field and move in a dance studio. So again, they go hand to hand. Yes, I agree. It is a sports, it's an artistic sports. And unfortunately, a lot of college nowadays actually still don't consider dance as one sports, right? Which is unfortunate that there's a lot of opportunities, scholarship, but somehow you do feel like even in the sports field, you know, dances like here, but it's a lot of work. Like you said, mentally, the core, right? We're back to the core, like every day work on your core, both physically and mentally to, to keep you strong. Um, and we only had two minutes. I know, I'm wondering if you have any final um, um, advice to share with our young audience there, girls, you know, future professional women, Maybe you can give uh, just uh, one final advice to our audience. Well, to keep striving to reach that core, to be super strong and to let those feelings be. Sometimes uh, we are really hard on those feelings that 
um, we feel maybe not positive feelings sometimes. We have to allow those feelings to be and bring talk to universe to bring feelings positive into us. There's a lot of positive things around us. We have to strive to reach those positive feelings, to feel that we are important in this life. All of us are important. All of us have something to give, either small or big, but we have something to give and allow yourself to give those, allow yourself to be who you are. Um, and also remember, there's also someone that can always help you and support you. There's always someone there. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you today. Thank you for allowing me to share a little bit of my knowledge, a little bit of my strategies, a little bit of myself. So thank you. There is love inside and I'm sharing the love with you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lorena. This is today is a great conversation. We're so fortunate to have you. Um, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to How She Leads. Special thanks to our guests and to all the educators and women acting as role models and mentors. Music credit to the artist Ketza. Thank you again for listening and look forward to sharing more stories of inspirational women who lead next time.